Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, M Spa President and COO Kathy Christensen is in conversation with Nikki Levy, Founder and CEO at Alchemy 43. Welcome to Medical Spa Insider. My name is Kathy Christensen. I'm the President and Chief Operating Officer of the American Med Spa Association, and I will be your host today for Medical Spa Insider. And I'm so excited to have uh, Nikki Levy, the founder of Alchemy 43, as our guest today. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here with you, Kathy. Awesome. So, um, Nikki, if, if you don't know, and I don't know how you possibly couldn't know, but she <laughs> is the founder of Alchemy 43, which is an incredible chain of medical spas um, that, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong there, I, I, I don't know how you refer to yourself, but in on the West Coast, you guys recently opened a Houston location, you're at 10 locations now. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on, what your background is for those folks who don't necessarily uh, know much about you. Sure, happy to. So um, Alchemy 43, uh, we started it in here in Los Angeles uh, back in 2016 was when we actually opened the very first location. Um, we are a, uh, we call ourselves an aesthetics brand that is um, specializes in what we call cosmetic micro treatments. Um, we have a high degree of focus on injectables like Botox and fillers, neuromodulators and fillers. And, mm-hmm. um, and then we do offer um, a, a variety of, of complementary services that sort of support an injectables regimen. Um, we have just, like you said, just opened our 10th location. So we now have three locations in Los, Los Angeles, one location in Newport Beach, four locations in Texas, and two locations in New York City. So 10 strong in four different markets. That's incredible. And I know all of those markets are are really vibrant, probably the most vibrant in the industry. Is How are you finding um, kind of expanding how, how how has that worked out for you yeah sure I mean, you've learned many things for sure yeah it's been a very interesting journey and um you know starting here in los angeles which was you know essentially my backyard um was a you know was was one type of experience because i was so rooted here i've actually i was actually a botox rep here i was a, a allergan bdm uh for in the beverly hills territory back uh, in 2009 and so i knew the territory i knew the business i had a network and so it's very different when you open in markets where you don't have that type of presence and what i'll just say to everyone listening which has been the biggest takeaway i think for me about opening locations in new markets is the same old adage applies like it is literally a word of mouth business. It's a trust-based business that we are all in. And the more you can make actual human connections with people, no matter how big your company is or how many locations you have, that is the the most effective way to gain awareness, uh, gain customers, gain patients. Like that is how you do it. You've got to, you've got to put a face to it. People want to know who's behind this. Absolutely. I want to go back to that. But first, if you can, you have a really great kind of background story of how you got into into this crazy world of medical aesthetics. I'd love it if you would kind of take us through your path and tell us how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I really grew up in the beauty business and the beauty industry as a whole and, um, really started with, you know, always having a, having an interest in beauty and self care and makeup and skincare, you know, from a young age. And then, um, in college, I wanted to get a part time job to make some extra spending money. And I was, um, 
I got hired by a brand new makeup company to work, you know, behind the counter at Macy's. Um, and I worked for a company called Benefit Cosmetics. And, uh-huh. you know, I was, I was young. I had no, you know, I had no idea yet what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew that this was something that I really enjoyed. And one of the things when I reflect back on, you know, the evolution of my career and my, you know, how I got to this point, um, was really for me what I figured out, I think probably as, as far back as, as then, you know, really in the very early years of my sort of, you know, working age, was that um, I really loved being able to positively impact someone's self-image and and having something uh-huh. to do with letting them, you know, helping them look in the mirror, like what they see and feel empowered to take on the day and to go ask for that job promotion that they were, you know, looking for, ask that person out on a date that they'd been, you know, interested in. And and I think, you know, I, I just, I observed at an early age that when you like, when you like what you see, when you look in the mirror and when you're happy with, with your, with your appearance, it, it gives you this feeling of, of empowerment and confidence that you can go on and take things on. And I loved having something to do with that. And I continue to love that. I think it's something that, you know, we're all, we're all beautiful in our own way. We're all individual. And, you know, there's so little in life that happens to us that we can control. And this is something that we have power over. And so I, you know, I've loved being able to, I've, I've found it incredibly fulfilling throughout my career to kind of make, give people that feeling, you know, in one way or another. And so that was kind of my early career. So I worked, uh, I did a number of things in the cosmetics industry. At some point I realized, you know, after that first job that I did a bunch of internships in other industries and, you know, I, I, I looked at publishing, I looked at, you know, I thought I wanted to work in at a magazine and, you know, mm-hmm. I did a bunch of things and I, I just kept coming back to, this is what I love doing. I love, I love self-care. I love wellness. I love beauty. And so eventually I stopped fighting it and, you know, had a, had a pretty robust career throughout my twenties within cosmetics and skincare. I worked for a number of different cosmetics brands, um, both lo- like large established brands like Mac cosmetics and then newer, you know, newer, newer cosmetic brands that I got to have a hand in building from scratch. Um, and then in 2009, I was recruited by Allergan. Um, they were launching Latisse, which I'm sure everybody on this, uh, podcast knows well. Um, yeah. and they, I, I believe they were looking for people for their, for their business development roles um, that had a bit of a cosmetic background because they thought there was some type of like a merchandising um, aspect to launch to uh-huh. teas and practices. And so myself and a couple other colleagues from the beauty industry were recruited into these positions, um, you know, and, and, and the, and the, products I carried were Botox, Juvederm, and Latisse, and my territory was Beverly Hills 90210. Um, so I, had, I had the highest volume territory in the country at the time oh, wow. uh, and the smallest, you know, actual footprint. I mean, it was like three, right. three blocks or something. Uh-huh. So, uh, so yeah, so, so that was kind of my foray into this, you know, to, to, to medical aesthetics. And, you know, for me, I thought of it, you know, going into it, I thought of it as really an extension of the beauty industry. I mean, it's, you know, the intention of the consumer is the same. They want to look and feel their best. These are non invasive treatments, they're cash pay, they're not insurance based. And I really thought it was kind of an extension of I understood, of course, that there was a medical component. Uh, but you know, the, the consumer intent was the same. And what I realized mm-hmm. when I started doing the job was that there was really, aside from the fact that arguably, you look better after a Botox treatment, and you look better after you get your makeup done. Um, there was really nothing else about the experience or the consumption of these services that was kind of, you know, 
similar. And so I really thought, you know, gosh, these, these, these services are in such high demand. There's a line around the block for people. I mean, Botox had a 98% patient satisfaction rate. People love these services, despite the fact that the experience of getting them done is somewhat dry. It's, you know, it's very clinical. It's very sterile. You know, you're going and sitting in a waiting room next to other patients that are there for a variety of reasons. And, you know, you're, you're in a medical building, you're sitting in a medical office and it just doesn't have that same sort of like, uh-huh. Aspirational, you know, fun, you know, happy kind of spirit to it. And so I just thought, you know, what if, how, how much bigger could, could this industry get if we actually made it a, a wonderful experience? Uh-huh. And so, um, and so that was kind of what was the, you know, initial, initial sort of, um, inception or I guess the catalyst moment for me to want to start, you know, Alchemy 43 and to think about how I could do it differently and how I could kind of innovate in this, in the space. <clears throat> and so that was kind of my, you know, aha moment at the same time, you know, in 2010, while I was working at Allergan, Dry Bar launched. And I thought it was just interesting, obviously a completely different category, um, but very interesting how they took something that was part of a larger hairstyling experience, um, you know, normally you go to the salon, you get your hair cut and colored, they blow dried at the end and you leave looking fabulous. Um, they extrapolated out just the blow dry and they created an entire category around just that one aspect of, of the business. And I thought, what if we did that? We built that around injectables. And so that was really sort of my, you know, those, those couple of things were really what kind of, you know, became the vision for Alchemy 43. And so, um, I, I went to go, I left Allergan in 2012. I already had the idea for this. I also understood that I, the medical industry, you know, with the regulatory and all of the other things that were going on was a, you know, was a new industry for me. I'd only worked for a huge company with big, with, with tons of resources. So I really wanted to understand truly what it would be like to work in, you know, to launch something in this space um, and really be kind of a small guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I worked, I worked with a couple of startups in the industry, a couple of people that were starting businesses in the industry. I got a ton of knowledge from them. I spent about a year working with a healthcare attorney um, on setting up the company and understanding whether a company like this could scale and operate in multiple states, how I would need to set it up in order to be successful and obviously compliant. Um, and so those were kind of, you know, a lot of the early steps that I took to sort of understand, hey, could I do this? Could this actually really be something I, you know, pursue? And so once I had enough information and I had enough sort of validation and enough, you know, knowledge about it, I felt ready to go. And then it was time to raise money. Um, I didn't have, you know, I knew there was going to, it was going to take capital to get this business started. I think I initially started with a very small SBA loan. Um, and then I needed to raise capital to open my first location. Um, so I went to the community of founders here in Los Angeles. There was, there's a number of angel investors, particularly female angel investors that, um, that were sort of on the scene at the time. And I reached out mm-hmm. to a couple of them. Um, and one that I really admired was a woman named Tony Co. She was the founder of Nix Cosmetics, which was a cosmetics company that sold to L'Oreal in 2014 for $500 million. Um, that Tony had started, you know, several years earlier, you know, in a very kind of scrappy way and built the business incredibly well and, you know, ended up having a tremendous exit. Um, And, you know, when I learned that she was doing some angel investing, I reached out to her and said, hey, you know, I have this business idea. Would you be open to discussing it? So that's kind of how I got my start. She believed in me from a very early, um, early stage. You know, I didn't have everything all buttoned up, but she believed enough in me and in the vision to, to put her, her, you know, her money behind behind it. And, um, and that was really what gave me my start. And I'm so grateful for that. 
That's incredible. And also, we can't forget, you were one of our original boot camp attendees. For I was. That's oh, right. So. That's right. I mean, it was incredibly, honestly, it was incredibly critical and helpful for me at that time because I really, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and that the boot camp was incredibly informative um, and, you know, just so rich with information and knowledge that you, you really do need if you're pursuing this path. So when you started this, it sounds like you already had a plan and a vision for expansion. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. The plan from the beginning was to make this a national brand. Okay. And you were influenced just kind of seeing how Drybar had done it. Is that correct? Just yeah. Kind of I mean, Drybar and company like companies like Drybar that had yep. sort of successfully scaled a service-driven business. Um, yes, I would say that. I mean, I also looked at industry titans like, you know, Ideal Image and at the time mm-hmm. Lifetime Fitness and those type of people. So I knew that it could be done within our space. Um but, you know, there were there were some obviously some differences between, a you know, a, a non-medical business and a, bus- a medical business. So, yeah, I had some great examples to draw from for sure. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I think one of the big differences and correct me if I'm wrong, but between Alchemy 43 and some of the other um, chains and, and franchises out there is that you are very focused on fillers and neuromo- neuromodulators. And I'm curious to hear about that because I... Um, You know, one of the things that we always say at AMSPA, kind of as we're discussing at boot camps, you know, best practices and things like that is there's probably a million and one ways to do this and to be successful in this industry. Um, You know, if you're just looking at numbers and KPIs, the filler only route appears tricky on paper. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how you kind of combated any sort of um, kind of issues with uh, how much money you're bringing in on the filler and neuromodulator versus um, how much your overhead is and things like that. Yeah, no, it's a very valid question. And I think, you know, candidly, you know, very transparently, it's something that we do struggle with. Because, uh-huh. it's, it's, you know, there is I, I, I recognize and I and I believe that there's such innate value in specialization and, and mm-hmm. really, you know, really being super hyper focused on a category, having providers that, you know, are literally doing these treatments day in and day out all day long. I mean, what is that Malcolm Gladwell, you know, 10,000 10, yes. hours of anything makes you an expert. Um, you know, I really I do really believe in, you know, having a focused, um, a focused approach. Um, and I believe that benefits both the, the patients, it benefits our providers. It benefits the industry because you have less adverse events and and issues come up when you've got very experienced people performing these services. Um, And so, you know, I I have been very dedicated to that idea. Uh, At the same time, we also can't can't not recognize that, you know, Botox, you know, neuromodulators and fillers really are the lowest profit margin services Mm -hmm. in the space. So, you know, Mm -hmm. while they are the most popular, um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of consumption, right? The most people use those services, they are the lowest profit margin. And so how do you balance that, you know, desire to want to focus and be really, you know, specialized with, you know, having obviously having a bottom line and a top line mm-hmm. and having, you know, numbers to achieve and investors that are expecting a return. So um, it is, it is something that we are constantly looking at and we have introduced, you know, some additionals, co- like what we talk about complementary services that, that are, um, really well balanced. They're, they're a great balance to a, an injectable regimen. Um, and so that's kind of how we think about it. We think about it as injectables are really at the core competency and they're, they're the, they're sort of at the center of what we do. And then these other services that we've added, such as clear and brilliant, micro needling, um, PRP, mm-hmm. um, 
recently Diamond Glow um, and, and these other, you know, sort of services that really do support the regimen. You know, I, I also believe that, you know, there are, you know, in order to have sort of an, an overall balanced, natural, um, you know, sort of fully, fully enhanced look or fully complemented look, it is, you do want to do, you know, some of these topical skin treatments in addition to Mm -hmm. an injectable regimen. So I, you know, I do stand behind that, you know, injectables alone, you know, are probably not going to get you all the way to where you want to be. You've got to sort of, you know, enrich it with these different things. So that's kind of how we think about it. We think about it as it's not either or, but, but we do remain very, very focused on, you know, injectables at the core of what we do. And then we do have other services that sort of enhance, complement and, and augment that regimen. Okay. Um, and also I'm just, I have so many questions for you, Nikki, like I don't <laughs> even research. Um, but one of the things that I'm fascinated by, and as you know, our industry is runs the gamut of yes. um owners. You know, we have owners that are single locations, single kind of chair owners, and then we have um multi-unit you know, organizations like yours and skin spirit and what have you, and everything in between. Um, sure. When people think about uh, raising capital, um, that is for a lot of people who are not kind of plugged into that world, it seems like a really hard to understand kind of situation. Yeah. Can you give any insight as to how that could look for someone who's not in Beverly Hills and not maybe fully aware of networking with angel investors? What is what? What does that look like? How do you start that process without, you know, being so intimidated by it that you have no idea how to start? For sure. Yeah. I mean, great question. And and really, you know, I think probably one that would be on anyone's mind who's looking to start a business like this that, that requires capital. I think um, so. So, I mean, the, the answer is it is it can be very daunting. I think it is something that, you you know, you don't know until you until, you know, um, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, for me, I, I I really feel like the way I, when I look back on my experience at the beginning, I kind of stumbled around in the dark and I just uh-huh. found people along the way that sort of lit the way for me and said, Oh, I'm going to introduce you to this person. And, and, and at the beginning, I remember being so shocked. So it's like, I did a little bit of outreach to kind of educate myself. I, you know, to your point, I attended, you know, and, and really how I connected with some of these people and how I found out about this, I attended local, um, entrepreneurial events in my area. And I know, you know, obviously I'm here in Los Angeles. There might, there might be more, more of that than in other parts of the country, but I would encourage anyone listening to, you know, find, find entrepreneurial networks. There's things like NAOBO, National Association of Women Business Owners, you know, all sorts of, in, um, of, of different groups within the, 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 the country really that, um, that operate and have different events. And usually there's investors, you know, that are tied to these companies and these, and these events. I would also say, you know, really an SBA loan is also a really interesting place to start. And they do give you some education. You know, you can do those through, through most banks, uh, apply for those uh-huh. through most banks. And they do give you education on sort of, you know, some of this stuff as well. But I would say, you know, it's also LinkedIn outreach. I mean, I, I attribute a lot of my, you know, success and, and connections to LinkedIn networking and just not being afraid to reach out to people on LinkedIn and say, Hey, I don't know you. Um, but I, you know, I'd like to know you, you seem like a very interesting, you know, person, and this is what I'm working on. Um, so I do believe that like, you've got to be sort of, you know, get over any shyness or any apprehension uh-huh. around, around doing that. 
Um, and that that's a big part of it is just kind of going out and, and, and educating yourself and you'd be surprised what kind of comes your way. But one of the things I found when I was very early on is people kept, you know, everyone, every investor I would speak to would introduce me to another investor. And at the okay. beginning, I thought, oh my gosh, how nice. Like I thought it was the most kind, you know, I thought they were being so, you know, helpful and wonderful. What I realized later is, well, I mean, I hope that was part of it. I think it was also, um, that that they a lot of people you know work like they they work alongside other investors to vet their business ideas so essentially it's kind of like i want you to meet my friend that's a friend that i normally invest alongside you know uh-huh. in these types of transactions so i want this person to sort of validate this idea of of me investing in this company potentially invest alongside me so a lot of it is also that they want to get people on the train that also believe and that also want to be a part of it so um but but and also so so first of all it's not strange when you talk to an investor to ask and say hey do you know anyone else that might be interested so i would encourage anyone listening anyone that you meet and that you're lucky enough to connect with on this I think it's perfectly valid and very socially acceptable to say, hey, by the way, if you have anyone else you think I should meet, please connect me. And that also, that helps a lot. Hey everyone, let me take a quick second to share something really interesting for your business. Did you know that a staggering 74% of consumers shop on their phones while watching TV at night? That's like 7 out of 10 of your patients. But the real eye-opener here is that less than 1 out of 10 med spas actually sell their products online. Can you imagine the untapped potential of giving your patients the convenience to purchase treatments, services, or skincare right from the comfort of their own homes through your very own branded app? That's where RepeatMD comes in. RepeatMD is the fastest growing software in the medical aesthetics industry, and for good reason. RepeatMD is designed by e-commerce experts who have worked with renowned brands like Target, Nordstrom, and Neiman Marcus, and they'll build your practice its own mobile rewards and shopping app. Clients love RepeatMD, and patients love the experience RepeatMD provides. RepeatMD rewards patients for spending more, encourages them to come back more often, and helps them discover treatments they'll absolutely love. On top of that, your practice can sell memberships and offer financing for services all through your very own app designed and managed by the experts at RepeatMD. The bottom line is that RepeatMD enhances the entire patient experience while boosting your practice's revenue. They are game changers for your med spa. So what are you waiting for? Visit repeatmd.com forward slash amspa to book a quick product demonstration. And guess what? We'll have special pricing for medical spa insider listeners and you'll receive 50% off towards your first purchase. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Head over to repeatmd forward slash amspa today. Hey folks, it's Alex Tiersch, and this episode is brought to you from our friends at Boulevard, the first and only med spa client experience platform that includes seamless scheduling, client messaging, and payments that are elegant and reliable. Boulevard delivers everything you need to inject style and sophistication into every client interaction. Set the tone with online booking that matches your high-end brand aesthetic and improves the productivity of your staff and resources. Elevate and personalize services with HIPAA-compliant forms, digital charting, and detailed client profiles. And grow your aesthetic empire with automated marketing campaigns and powerful workflow integrations like Shopify, QuickBooks, Instagram, and so much more. And for a limited time, Boulevard is waving data migration and onboarding fees for AMSPA listeners. That's over $1,000 in savings to get you up and running. Don't wait. Click the link on our episode webpage to learn more or visit joinblvd.com slash AMSPA. That's joinblvd.com slash AMSPA. Thanks so much. I think there's a certain amount of 
you just have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, at least in the beginning exactly. of starting these new uh, ventures. And I mean, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the current kind of crazy M&A landscape in medical aesthetics right now. What's what's your two cents on, on everything that's going on as far as the mergers and acquisitions? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's obviously a ton of growth in the space. There's t- a ton of opportunity. I think the general investor community is extremely um, excited about and focused on our category at the moment. And as you know, you know, there are there are the industry has historically been and, and really does continue to be dominated by single unit you know, practices, um, while there are lots of concepts like mine and, and skin spirit and, you know, many others that are starting to really dominate the landscape. Um, you know, the, the industry is still largely dominated by single, single unit mm-hmm. uh, businesses. And by the way, those businesses are ex- extraordinarily successful. They're extraordinarily busy. They're growing year over year. And so, yeah, to your point, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that people are looking at the space from a financial perspective. They're saying, Hey, what if we go and we just buy a bunch of these single unit, you know, um, practices throughout the country and we roll them up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then you also hear a lot of people saying, well, Hey, what if we go and we, we do a franchise business? So we set up the model, we create the brand, and then we find a bunch of people that want to, you know, want to open, you know, open their own franchises. And so, you know, I, I I'm constantly being asked about those things. And then obviously you have situations like mine where, you know, you are a growing brand and company and you receive outside investment to continue to grow and expand your business. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think there's like, you know, a lot of ways to look at it. And I think, you know, there's, there's lots of, I'm hearing lots of different sort of conclusions coming from people. What I would say, and what I generally sort of think is that, you know, the roll up part of it might be the most direct, right? Because essentially, if you buy a, if you buy an existing business, you're buying a, hopefully, ideally, I think the, the thought is that you're buying an established uh, business. Uh-huh. You are, you're getting a, a provider that has a book of business, a clientele that is busy and working in that location and that geographical area, they have a presence. Um, and so the idea is that you would be much more, you the, the business like that would scale much more quickly because it's already established. So it's sort of like you're betting on a sure thing. Uh-huh. Um, but, but you're betting on a sure thing. So that means the person who owns that business is doing very well They're You know, they have, right. they have a, very, a nice income. So it costs a lot. So, so at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's like, what are you willing to spend to have that benefit versus, you know, in our, in our world, we call it Genovo units. What versus I'm going to open my own Genovo unit. I'm going to build my own clientele. I'm going to hire and attract my injectors. Um, and, and I'm going to do that for a fraction of the price of what it would cost me the other way. So it's, it's sort of, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting what's happening. I think everybody's clamoring to get into the space and, um, you know, my hope as just, you know, and I, and I do really think and genuinely that we are all like aligned and I don't feel, I, I don't feel, um, like I'm rooting for every multi-unit and mm-hmm. single unit player in the space. I think there's room enough for everybody genuinely. And, um, and so, and, and I also believe that we all have the same, you know, um, obstacles to overcome and, and, and bad outcomes hurt all of us. And so we all want mm-hmm. great results. And so, um, you know, I think we're all very protective of the industry mm-hmm. and I, and I, I, I definitely feel very protective, not only of my own business, but of all the players in the space. And so I just want to make sure that people are making smart decisions and doing things that that are going to help us all, you know, and, and, and continue to deliver great outcomes to patients. So I think that, you know, th- you know, there's a financial component, but there's also a human component of like, let's make sure we're doing this the right way. And we're not, we're not doing anything that jeopardizes patient outcomes. Absolutely. No. And I mean, I think that's what we're always preaching here at AMSPA and you're absolutely right. right. You know, bad a- outcomes absolutely hurt 
our industry. I always kind of feel like we've grown in, in kind of a grassroots way. I almost feel like we're yeah. raising a child that right. is the medical right. aesthetic industry. And you just yeah. hope you, you know, you hope everyone is, is great at, you know, influencing that child. So that's right. That, you know, that they can grow up healthy and happy and, and everybody, you know, for the medical aesthetic industry, everybody can continue to succeed and grow. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. We're only just beginning the, the exactly. amount of available um, business out there is, you know, above and beyond the amount of people that can service. For sure. Business. And I'm, I'm curious, that kind of brings me to as someone who is, you know, expanding, we know that our, and I probably absolutely preaching to the choir, everyone that's listening right now, or at least most people are challenged with getting good injectors into their business in order to provide these services. Um, you've previously mentioned in, in past interviews that the best injectors have a mastery of skill. Yes. And I'm curious, how do you identify this? What kind of like training experience are you looking for? What do you, how do you invest in your team as far as training and continuing education? How can you, you know, do that, especially as you're expanding? How are you getting the right people in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're absolutely right. And and I think, you know, if you ask, if you get, if you get all of us in a room and you say, what is the single biggest, yes. you know, limiting growth limiting factor for you? Because we know that the patients are out there, the industry is growing at an incredibly rapid pace. At, to your point, the, the biggest um, obstacle or the biggest challenge right now is finding, recruiting, retaining, and keeping and developing, you know, really, truly wonderful skilled injectors. And so um, it's definitely something that I would, I would, I don't want to speak for other people, but keeps us all up at night. Um, And, and, you know, and I would say we, you know, in the short term, you know, we have, we sort of have a a short term solution for that, but I think that will change as, as we continue to grow as, as we have more, you know, our needs increase for more skilled providers. Um, and, and so what I would say now is we definitely, you know, we, we hire, and, and this is sort of a, a response to just where we're at, um, in, you know, in the growth and development of our organization. I mean, I would love to be able to train, you know, train um, licensed medical providers from scratch um, and really teach them from the beginning to the end. And, and you know, we've done that once or twice in our uh-huh. in our years. And, you know, it's been a, a great learning experience and it is something we want to do more of in the future. But for now, we are hiring only, you know, and, and uh, um, recruiting only experienced injectors. And so those are people that have, you um, no less than three years of experience uh, with, you know, injecting neuromodulators and fillers um, and ideally, you know, more like five to 10 years of experience. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, once we once we find and identify those people and, and hire those people, they go through, you know, first of all, there's technical assessment before they even get hired. So it doesn't matter what your rev- rev- resume says. We want to know, you know, we want to actually see it with our own eyes. We want to feel very comfortable that you are comfortable with all of the services that we offer and that you have a high level of um, you know, expertise with all of those. Um, so we do, we, you know, we, we do a technical assessment as part of the interview process. Uh, once you are hired as a provider for us, you go through extensive training on sort of our way of doing things. One of the things that we believe is incredibly important as a multi-unit brand is that a patient could feel very comfortable, you know, based on 
our brand and our level of integrity walking into any of our locations and seeing any any of our providers. We understand that they might say, I want to see, you know, I like this person that I've been seeing. I want to continue to see them. We absolutely are good with that. But we want to create an environment where whether you're in Santa Monica, New York City or Dallas, you can walk into one of our locations and have a a wonderful experience that feels very similar to your other experiences with us. And so that consistency is so critical. And so, as you know, you know, providers learn to, you know, learn to do the perform these services in a variety of different settings and and very very many of them come to us with different ways of doing things and so we we have to streamline that and make it consistent and have we have standard operating protocols and procedures for all of the services that we offer and so as an example you know the way people reconstitute neuromodulator um you know some people come from you know practices where they do it you know one one to one some practices do it 2.5 to one so you know, four to one. And so we, we, mm-hmm. we sort of, you know, have a specific way that we do that to create consistency and reliability across the portfolio. And we do everything very much by the book, you know, FDA guidelines, the manufacturer recommendations, we follow those um, to a T because we believe that's just kind of the safest way to do it. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so there's sort of some retraining, some reframing, there's sort of bringing them into the Alchemy 43 way of doing things. And then, uh, and then ongoingly, and we know that not only is it important for our brand, but ongoingly continued training and development um, is critical for both retention. So just to keep them interested, keep, you know, there's tons of, as you know, tons of great innovation that's happening in the industry. There's amazing new products coming to market, you know, amazing new techniques and new areas being FDA approved for treatment. And so we want to, you know, make sure we're exposing our providers to all of that and hopefully, you know, as, as early on as possible. So they get really kind of first look and really first, you know, touch with a lot of these new things that are coming out. And so we believe that's not only something that benefits our, our company and our patients, but also providers really look for that. I think they look for companies that offer them those types of opportunities. And so we want to be an, an employer of choice in the space and we're working hard to sort of identify what that looks like um, and, you know, deliver on, and continue to deliver and learn from our providers as to what what interests them, what do they look for? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's never there's never a dull day in this industry, and there's never a so lack true. of challenges. <laughs> so true. Um, well, as you know, and you are one of them, the industry is led by powerful visionary women. And this November, AmSpa is celebrating these incredible leaders with our first Women in Aesthetics Leadership Conference in November. I yes. believe you, you and I have talked about that. It's um, taking place in Miami, and the idea behind it is to give women in this industry a place where they can kind of have their souls nourished as well as their, you know, their intelligence challenged, you know, what they know about the industry, um, you know, how they can get their why back, how they can learn more about ways they're doing things and just kind of get re-energized. And um, one of the things that women uniquely kind of have uh, oftentimes is the balance of, of, family and business and everything else. And men have that too. But um, I feel like women, at least I'm speaking for myself, always kind of feel like they have to take care of everybody and everything and make sure it's all perfect no matter what. And I I know that you uh, became a mother uh, further into your career. And I'm curious how you're how that's working out for you how do you feel like you're able to find a harmony between your business leadership and and your family yeah i'm so glad you asked because i think you know t- truly as women you know it's such a unique experience to you know um 
create, own, and run a company or a business and, uh, you know, and, and sort of also pursue all of the personal things that you, you know, personal fulfillment and the things that you desire in your personal life. And so for me, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a mom and, um, you know, and, um, it was just something that was always important to me. I know not everybody, you know, has that clear of a vision on it, but for me, it was like uh-huh. a, a definite thing in my, in my future plans. And so I started my company when I was about 36 and right before I started, I decided uh, to freeze my eggs and I wasn't uh-huh. dating anyone. I didn't have a significant other at the time. I had been doing a lot of dating to try and meet someone because, you know, I felt the clock was ticking and, you know, uh-huh. all of that. And I felt like I was putting a lot of pressure on dating because of, uh, uh-huh. you know, I had this sort of biological clock issue. And then I had, you know, this company I was building and I I, I certainly uh-huh. recognized correctly so that it was going to take all of my focus and all of my dedication to build this brand from scratch and, uh-huh. um, and really dedicate myself to it. And I didn't want to have this thing in the back of my mind going, oh, you should be dating. You should be dating. You should be trying to meet someone. Clock is ticking. I just knew uh-huh. that would that would hold me up. And so making the decision to freeze my eggs was something that I'm so glad I did. I'm incredibly grateful for. And I would, I would urge anyone listening to this, like if it's even an iota of a thought of wanting to be a mother and sort of, you know, not necessarily sure what that's going to look like for you or not having a romantic partner or any, you know, for any reason at all, go uh-huh. and freeze your eggs. Like it is something you will never regret doing. It's something that can only enrich and enhance your life and give you options. And it's, you uh-huh. know, I would say it's the most high yield, uh, insurance policy you could ever buy for yourself. And so highly recommend doing it. You know, it's become, and I'm very glad to see it's become more affordable over the years to do. The other thing I'll say to listeners, just because I feel like it's something I had no idea of until I did it, it only takes two weeks to freeze your eggs about. So a lot of people think, oh, it's months and months of hormones Uh and I'm going through all this stuff. Really, from when you start the injections to the egg retrieval, it's literally about 14 days. Um, You know, it varies a little bit for everybody, but I I do want to tell people it's not something that takes a ton of time. It's not going to take like months and months away from your life. It's very, it's actually very easy and quick to do. Um, Uh I just, I just recommend it so highly. So I did that. I had, I'm so glad I had the foresight to do that. I then jumped all in on my business. I was building Alchemy 43. I was, you know, literally burning the candle at all ends. And then Uh the pandemic happened and I turned 40 and 41 and I was like, okay, well, I haven't been dating. It's not really a great setting to be dating. You know, Uh we're crazy with the business and just making sure that, you know, we were able to survive. It was obviously mission critical. I wanted to make sure we took good care of our employees and our team. And so, um, you know, that happened. But, you know, I think COVID did have... um, you know, sort of also a kind of reset of uh, yes. priorities and people, you know, sort of started to think about having more balance in their lives and what the world was going to look like when when it came back and all that. So I think that was really when it came to me for the forefront. And I was like, you know, I really want to be a mom. I'm going to go ahead and move forward with this. So, um, so I, you know, I used my eggs that I had frozen before I started the business and uh, went through the process. And I had my daughter, Ava, in September of 2021. So she's, she'll be two in about a month. And um, she's the best thing I've ever done. She's the, like, Aww. it's just been the most incredible experience in the world. And um, I, I actually feel like it has actually made me a better CEO. Um, uh-huh. I, I feel like, you know, in so many ways, it's just given me a, a new perspective and kind of a more, um, I would say like a more, 
um, I just don't sweat the small stuff as much. Uh-huh. Like I have a daughter and, and I feel like when you have a baby and you kind of are, are seeing the world through their eyes and they're like discovering things for the first time, you're so in the moment with them. And I uh-huh. feel like for the last seven years, all I've done is think about my business. And so to have that sort of disconnect and sort of that perspective on like, you know, just kind of lifting your head up from the, from the, from the computer sometimes and having uh-huh. you know having experiences and just seeing how her discovering the world and, you know, interact with her and, and, you know, just watching her grow. And, you know, it's just, it's just been such a, an amazing grounding and rebalancing experience for me. And I, I really do. I mean, I never thought I would have said this, but I, I do think it's made me better at my job. I think I have more mm-hmm. perspective. I think I have more empathy. I think I'm more patient. Um, and I think it's, it's all things that have tremendously helped me as a leader. So, you know, I would also just say to people, if you're scared that it's going to, you know, it's going to have a different effect. Like for me, it's actually been the most positive thing for me in the business. So mm-hmm. No, I would agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm further down the line. Um, yeah. I have actual teenage, I have an adult, a young adult, oh, wow. and uh-huh. I have a teenager. But no, I, I would completely agree with you in the fact that you truly are, even in every stage, kind of learning how to work with really closely with another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> so, ultimate merger. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, well, I appreciate your time, Nikki, today. I would love what's your final kind of piece of advice to our um, listeners, entrepreneurs in the medical aesthetic industry? What, what would you say is the most important thing you kind of want to leave us with? I think uh, that's a great question. I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of things, but I, I think ultimately, you know, um, I would say to people, you know, really think about what's right for you and do what's right for you. I mean, like you said to me, I, you know, I, from the very beginning wanted to build a scale, a scaled business. I wanted to build a multi-unit business. And I think there is a lot of pressure, I think on, on business owners today in our category to like, well, do you want to scale? Do you want to raise money? Do you want to raise capital? And, and absolutely that is a valid path, but also a valid path is owning and running your, your local med spa or your local business in your, in your neighborhood, in a place where you love having a great quality of life. You know, so I just want to say to people, like, take time to think about what you really want. Don't be influenced and pressured by sort of outside what you're seeing on Instagram and Uh what you're seeing people doing. I think at the end of the day, it's like really figure out what's right for you. And if you, you know, what type of balance you want to have in your life, what are your priorities? Like it's, it's okay to have a very successful single unit business. It's also okay to want to build your business to 110 locations and go through all that's a, you know, all that, all that that entails. Um, but just, you know, really take the time to think about what you want and how you want your life to look as you're making a lot of these decisions. Um, and also just know that anything is possible. I mean, I'm a, I'm an example of somebody who, you know, I'm not a physician, I'm not Mm a, not a, you know, I'm not an investor. I don't have, you know, I don't have independent personal wealth and I've built, I've built a, you know, a very successful, robust business. And I continue, you know, I plan to continue to build on that and expand on that. And, you know, you, anyone can, if I can do it, anyone can do it. So. All right. Well, thank you, Nikki Levy. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me think there's a lot of good stuff in here. And of course, I could continue to talk to you for the next two hours. But my guess is that you um, have other things to do today. So um, thank you again, Nikki. Um, thank you, Kathy. For our listeners, if uh, as you are looking for more in-depth information uh, from today's aesthetic entrepreneurs like Nikki Levy and what makes them successful, please check out previous 
episodes of the Medical Spa Insider podcast at podcast.americanmedspa.org or subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform to listen. So thank you so much, Nikki, and we'll, we'll see you next time, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, AMSPA President and COO Kathy Christensen was joined by Nikki Levy, Founder and CEO at Alchemy 43. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.